0: Section twenty of the Underground Railroad. Part four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad. Part four. By William Still. Section twenty. Sundry Arrivals from Maryland, eighteen sixty. William Cheon and his wife Emma, Evan Graff, and four others. William and Emma came from Dorchester County, Maryland. The cords of slavery had been tightly drawn around them. William was about twenty-seven years of age, of a dark hue, and of a courageous bearing. On the score of treatment he spake thus, I have been treated as bad as a man could be. Emma, his wife, had seen about the same number of years that he had, and her lot had been similar to his. Emma said, My master never gave me the second dress, never attempted such a thing. The master was called Bushong Blake. William was owned by a Mr. Tubman. After leaving slavery, William changed his last name to William's, and if he and his wife are now living, they are known only by their adopted names. Evan Graff was of square, solid build, dark and smart, aged twenty-five. He fled in company with four others, whose narratives were not written, from Frederick County, Maryland. Henry Hart, residing at Sam's Creek, exercised authority over Evan. "'With this master,' said Evan, "'I have known hard times. I have been treated as bad as a man could be.' i have been married three years and have not received five dollars in money since towards supporting my family how have you lived then inquired one who sympathized my wife has kept house for a colored gentleman and got her board for her services said evan in what other particulars have you been treated hard was next asked sometimes i hadn't half clothes enough to keep me warm through all weathers answered evan "'What put it into your head to leave?' was the third query. "'Well, sir,' said Evan, "'I thought to try and do better.' "'How did you make up your mind to leave your wife and child in slavery?' "'Well, sir, I was very loath to leave my wife and child, "'but I just thought in this way. "'I had a brother who was entitled to his freedom, "'but he fell out with one of his young masters "'and was just taken up and sold south.' and I thought I might be taken off, too. So I thought I would stand as good a chance in leaving as if I stayed. "'Had you a mother and father, brothers and sisters?' inquired a member of the committee. "'Yes, sir,' was the prompt reply. Evan then gave their names thus. "'My father's name was Sam Graff, my mother's name was Becky. "'Ruth Ann Dorsey, Isaac Hanson, and two brothers of Evan,' Grafton and Allen accompanied him in his flight. James, Harriet, Charles Albert, Thomas Ephraim, Adeline Matilda, John Israel, and Daniel Buchanan, brothers and sisters of Evan, all were left in slavery. Polly Poole was their mistress, rather had owned them up to within a short time before the flight of Evan and his comrades. But she had lately been unfortunate in business which resulted in a thorough scattering of the entire family some fell into the hands of the mistress's children and some into the hands of the grandchildren in evan's opinion she was a tolerable good mistress his opportunities of judging however had not been very favourable as he had not been in her hands a great while luke goynes came from harper's ferry where he was owned by mrs carroll luke first made his way to baltimore and afterwards to philadelphia henson kelly was owned by reason hastell of baltimore slavery did not agree with him and he left to better his condition stafford smith fled from westmoreland county virginia where he was owned by harriet parker a single woman advanced in years and the owner of many slaves as a mistress she was very hard i have been hired to first one and then another bad men all along my mistress was a methodist but she seemed to know nothing about goodness she was not in the habit of allowing the slaves any chance at all arrival from virginia eighteen sixty jenny buchanan a kind master jenny chastised one of his sons for an insult and as a punishment she was sold seized for debt sold a second time jenny was about forty-five years of age a dark mulatto stature medium manners modest and graceful she had served only in high life thus she had acquired a great deal of information she stated that she was born a slave under james bower of rockbridge virginia and that he was the owner of a large plantation with a great number of slaves he was considered to be a good man to his servants and was generally beloved by them suddenly however he was taken ill with paralysis which confined him to his bed during this illness one of the sons a young gentleman offered an insult to jenny for which she felt justified in administering to him a severe chastisement for this grave offence she was condemned to be sold to a trader by the name of william watts who owned a place in mississippi the conditions of sale were that she was to be taken out of the state and never to be allowed to return it so happened however before she was removed that watts the trader failed in order to cheat his creditors it was supposed governor mcdowell of virginia was one of those to whom he was largely indebted for a number of slaves which he the governor had placed in his hands for disposal some time before the trader took the benefit therefore as the governor was anxious to recover his loss as much as possible he seized on jenny it was through this interference that the condition relative to her being sent out of the state was broken the governor said jenny was a very fine gentleman as good as i could expect of virginia he allowed his slaves to raise fowl and hogs with many privileges of one kind and another besides he kept them all together but he took sick and died there was a great change shortly after that the slaves were soon scattered like the wind the governor had nine sons and daughters after his death mrs mcdowell alias mrs sally thomas took possession and employed an overseer by the name of henry morgan he was a very good man in his looks but a very rascally man would get drunk and sell her property to get whiskey mrs mcdowell would let him do just as he pleased for the slightest complaint the overseer might see fit to make against any of the slaves she would tell him to sell them sell mr morgan he would treat them worse than he would any dog he would beat them over the head with great hickory sticks the same as he would beat an ox he would pasture cows and horses on the plantation and keep the money we slaves all knew it and we told her but our words would not go in court against a white man and until she was told by mr white and her cousin dr taylor and mr barclay she would not believe how shamefully this overseer was cheating her. But at last she was convinced, and discharged him, and hired another by the name of John Moore. The new one, if anything, was worse than the old one, for he could do the most unblushing acts of cruelty with pleasure. He was a demon. Finally the estate had to be settled, and the property divided. At this time it was in the hands of the oldest daughter, Mistress Sally, who had been married to frank thomas the governor of maryland but the governor had discarded her for some reason or other and according to his published account of her it might seem that he had good reason for doing so it was understood that he gave her a divorce so she was considered single for life it was also understood that she was to buy in the homestead at a moderate price with as many slaves as she might desire said jenny i was sold at this settlement sale and was bought in by the grass widow for four hundred dollars the place and a number of slaves were bought in on terms equally as low after this the widow became smitten with a reverend gentleman by the name of john miller who had formerly lived north he had been a popular preacher after a courtship which did not last very long they were married This took place three years ago prior to the writing of this narrative. After the marriage, Reverend Mr. Miller took up his abode on the old homestead and entered upon his duties as a slaveholder in good earnest. "'How did you like him?' inquired a member of the committee. "'I despised him,' was Jenny's prompt answer. "'Why did you despise him?' "'Because he had such mean ways with him,' said Jenny.' She then went on to remark as follows, "'Coming here, taking so much authority over other people's servants, "'he was so mean that he broke up all the privileges the servants had before he came. "'He stopped all hands from raising chickens, pigs, etc. "'He don't like to see them hold up their heads above their shoulders.' "'Didn't he preach?' she was asked. "'Yes, but I never heard him preach. "'I have heard him pray, though.' on thursday nights when he would not want the servants to go into town to meeting he would keep up until it would be too late for them to go he is now carrying on the farm and follows butchering he has not yet sold any of the slaves but has threatened to sell all hands to the trader jenny once had a husband but he went to canada and that was all she could tell about him as she had never had a letter or any direct information from him since he left. That she was childless, she regarded as a matter of great satisfaction, considering all the circumstances. Arrival from Baltimore, 1860 William Brown and James Henson Considering themselves trampled upon by their fellow-men, unitedly resolved to seek a better country, william was pained with the idea that so much of his time had already been used up as he was then thirty-six years of age yet he thought that it would do no good to mourn over the past but do what he intended to do quickly the master whom he had served he called master lyncham he was a farmer and knew full well how to use severity with the slaves but had never practised showing favours or allowing privileges of any kind True, he did not flog, but he resorted to other means of punishment when he desired to make the slaves feel that he was master. William left his mother, Harriet Brown, three sisters, and one brother, Francis, Mary, Eliza, and Robert. They were all free but Eliza. Seven weeks William and James were under the painful anxiety of trying to escape but conscious of the snares and dangers on the road and desirous of success they did not feel at liberty to move save as they saw their way clear this well exercised sagacity was strongly marked in the intellectual region of william's head james henson was a man of rather slender build from exposure in travelling he took a severe cold and was suffering with sore throat he and mrs maria thomas disagreed she set herself up to be jim's mistress and owner for some cause or other jim was unwilling to fill this station longer he had been hired out by his mistress who received one hundred dollars per annum and for aught jim knew she was pretty well pleased with him and the money also she coolly held eleven others in the same predicament while jim found no fault with the treatment received at the hands of his mistress he went so far as to say that she was a right fine woman yet the longer he lived her slave the more unhappy he became therefore he decided that he would try and do better and accordingly in company with william he started success attending their efforts james left three sisters and one brother charlotte susan ellen and johnson ALL SLAVES. end of section twenty.